at your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw and... Today, with my usual efficiency, <laughs> I have managed to paint myself into a corner. I have a, a movie um, a DVD for you uh, from the great anthropologist Maria Gambutas. It's her biography. Unfortunately, um, I'm afraid that I haven't got the uh, I haven't got the information into the into the room where they're taking their subscriptions, so I'm probably going to have to save most of these for next week. But if you call in and subscribe to KPFA, I'm sure you can get a copy of this movie. It's uh, it's all about Maria Gambutas, the anthropologist who died in 1994, the Lithuanian lady. <laughs> I just love her. She's... Um, what is it? She's one of those remarkable people. She's the real thing. Uh, in a world where we have so much new age BS, you know, uh, all this, um, what do we call that? Uh, the, uh, uh, the culture of healing and recovery. It's all nonsense, but the good goddess stuff is the, uh, the work of the serious scientists and, I would recommend to you, just just in case, before you turn off, <laughs> let me tell you about a book, an anthology in honor of Maria Gimbutas, edited by Joan Marler. You know Joan Marler if you've listened to KPFA over the years. It's called From the Realm of the Ancestors. And it's got, oh gosh, dozens of essays about Maria Gambutas. Because, of course, these days, there are so many critics busy, you know, telling us what we should and shouldn't uh, pay attention to. Now, Maria Gambutas is not about ideology. She's a serious archaeologist. I remember the first time she came to Berkeley, she was up at uh, St. John's, someplace up on college. One of those gorgeous churches, you know, and the locals had put on green gauze dresses and they were drumming and we were having all of our uh, <laughs> our new age theatrics. And in walks this little, little scholar, this little tiny woman with her slides and her uh, artifacts, you know, uh, I, I think... I think most people were upset. They were expecting the descent of the goddess, you know. Anyway, if you want one of those movies, call in and ask him about it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to him after this show and tell him it's the Maria Gambutas movie. And we've got a dozen copies. It's uh, 
uh, I don't know what to call it. It's a fundamental biography. It's the kind of thing that a school teacher would find a use for, but I would like it around just because I like to look at the art, the Neolithic art. Maria Gambutas is an acclaimed archaeologist because she dug up the Bronze Age and then she kept digging and digging and all of a sudden she, she, she got beneath the, um, the era of, you know, the, the weapons, the fortifications and she found cultures that, um, some people call the culture of the goddess. If that bothers you, skip it. But, uh, the, what do you call it? Pre-patriarchal. The old religion, the ancient religions, uh, let's call them matrifocal or matricentric, something like that. Uh, yo mama. Anyway, it's all about a time before, before the militarization of man. Let's go back, oh, I like 5,000 years ago. Some people take it all the way back to 10,000. I was looking at, uh, the uh, Arthurian legends the other day, uh, looking at the book, The Myths of Avalon, Marion Zimmer Bradley's wonderful fantasy. It's all about the women around King Arthur. And in that book, uh, the, uh, the images are of old pagan gods still at war with the new Christian order of things. You know how it is. These things don't change overnight. And in many ways, they are parallel existences. Uh, we know that the, oh dear, the, the goddess, the feminine, never went away. It's always been there. It's just that, you know, it was tromped on there for a while. <laughs> Rome, yes, Rome, the foot, the foot on the back of the neck. But... Let me give you the KPFA fund drive numbers so that we don't forget them. It's, yes, 1-800-439-5732. Or you can use the five and dime area code, 510. That's local. That's where I live. 510-848-5732. if you want to call in and tell them to put one of these Maria Gambuta's records uh, on, uh, uh, what is it, on reserve for you. And by next week, I will figure out how we all get copies of these. Uh, I want that film to share with all the young women I know. As I say, mostly because I love the artwork. The, uh, oh, the Black Madonna would be my favorite. And the bird goddesses, wow, that's what I want. I'm going to put them all over my living room, those beautiful bird goddesses. Uh, metaphor, folks, you know, it's all about a metaphor, the goddess bit. It's it's so difficult to do a disclaimer. I still get notes, letters, particularly from, um, you know, the officious kind of folks who insist that if I am able to dismiss the sky god, the patriarchal god, then I should also dismiss the earth goddess, you know. It says here, yes, one of my notes, it said, uh, what is it, that I'm uh, falling into error because, uh, yes, we mustn't worship anything, right? No gods, no masters. Of course, I understand that. I... <laughs> I think most grown-ups know by now 
that all that stuff is metaphors. It's our invention. We're so clever, we human beings. And whether you put a masculine or feminine face on the divine, uh, it's still all about, what do we call it, the great poem in the sky. <laughs> all gods are one. What is that? Uh, I, I like the... Uh, I like the glorious Eastern stuff, you know. It's so simple. I like those big yin-yang symbols. Uh, an immense metaphor. All is metaphor. The thousands of images. Uh, human imagination so creative. I used to make up my own little gods when I was a child. I was watching a movie about George Sand the other day, and I noticed... They put that in her childhood, right? She was, she's trying to bring little birds back to life and uh, yeah, setting up little altars in the woods. I remember doing that. Maybe my pagan, <laughs> pagan ancestors. Maybe it's my race memory. Maybe I was working it out. Uh, I just figure that if we're sensible without making too much fuss about it, we can just make Mother Earth our Messiah. All we have to do is look around. And if you're a realist, there's certainly plenty of reason to uh, worship the Earth, if you like that uh, way of seeing it. Uh, in ancient times, we might have been a little bit more hands-on. You know, <laughs> but I... I'm still quite capable of going out and hugging the trees. I'm not sure I could get it on with a tree, but I definitely feel very close to the trees that are outside my windows. Uh, anyway, we have rational cause now to take care of our Mother Earth. Nature is no fantasy. Uh, the difficulty is that when we start talking about metaphors... Some people take it literally seriously and, you know, uh, gods, gods are, well, gods are not birds precisely, but I think the bird has in it what we call godhead, god essence. <laughs> yes. Somebody said the other day, they said charisma, Jennifer. They said charisma means Christ within. How you like that? Okay. Anyway, the trees and the animals are nothing if not real. I think most human beings can grasp this sort of thing by the time they're about, oh, I would say five. Uh, I found metaphor in the theater, in let's pretend, you know how that goes. Uh, if you give a child a mask or a costume or a puppet, uh a frame, yes, a frame. Just put the frame around their face. Any kind of picture, and you let her act out her feelings. The uh, Bronte sisters used to do that. Their father used to uh, give them masks to talk through. Uh, anyway, the children get it. The innocent people get it. Of course, what they do with it varies. It varies from compassion to crucifixion. Gertrude Stein says, it's all the dance or war. The stories are us. The narrative is us. Now, uh, I don't think of myself as a goddess, but uh, there's a wonderful play by Entesaki Shange at the end of which she says, 
The woman says she found the God within her and she loved her. Uh, I think that's a start. Yes, you begin by loving yourself. The first words in songs for children, I like to give them their own names, put it in the, the uh, story, help their their uh, images take shape, you know. First things learned are last forgot. Anyway, I liked the Christian stories. Uh, I turned them into pagan stories. I don't much see the difference. Uh, I did a swell Virgin Mary. Blue was my favorite color. Anyway, when I was older, I switched to red to play Mary Magdalene and then Clytemnestra in those Greek plays. Anyway, from Edda Gabler to Lady Macbeth. Act out all the roles, be all the gods and goddesses. Actually, I think the gods and goddesses are probably our parents, our fundamental archetypes. Uh, anyway, I wanted to repeat one more time the... Uh, Oh, the online numbers. So many people nowadays uh, just want to use their online, yes, www.kpfa.org, 510-848-5732, or 1-800-439-5732, or 1-800-AKPFA. Now, the DVD is called Signs Out of Time. And you get it for $90. Maria Gimbutas. Maria Gimbutas is the scholar and, the, well, in a way, a theologian, I guess. Uh, she's the one who dug up the Bronze Age and then dug a little deeper. And she found the ancient culture, uh, the ancient cul- culture of uh, the goddess. The DVD is called Signs Out of Time. It runs about, I don't know, I th- I think it's a full, it's a feature film. And I think uh, if you are a school teacher, you want to have this. I want it just for the artwork. I love all those little figurines. When I was a schoolgirl in the 50s, they used to say that those little figurines, um, Neolithic figurines, they said, oh, that was a fertility cult, they said. <laughs> women, yeah, women were... A cult. They weren't a serious uh, religion. You know, the serious stuff was the guy stuff. Anyway, uh, today we want to thank uh, our food donors, pea berries, coffee and tea, veritable vegetables, Razan's Organic Kitchen and the Nabolom Bakery, B-N-A-B-O-L-O-M. I never know how to pronounce that place. I lived next to it for years. Anyway, uh, the... Phone number again is 510-848-5732 or 1-800-439-5732. I have a great big stack of uh, criticisms and essays about Maria Gambutas most of which you can find for yourself if you go online. I'd rather read you just uh, a few of the poems that are dedicated to her in this anthology. Joan Marder put this anthology together after uh, Maria died, and it has the most wonderful tributes to this scholar. Uh, Here's one by the editor Joan Marler herself. Uh, 
Joan Otter's poem begins. A woman sits by the fire and dreams the chaos of snarling cities shredding flesh and bone. The edifice of interior prescription crumbling under its own weight, breathing, taking the slow inward trek past the inevitable shattering where listening can begin, listening inside the incessant howl. So quiet and still, what is born and what is dying circles in this place. I have another long poem from a therapist in Boston. I'll save that for a minute. I just wanted to look and see. Uh, in Maria's, in Maria's career, uh, she did what I would call several turnabouts. And I think she finally realized that she would have to, <laughs> she would have to hang in and hang on. She said that her work would not be taken seriously or would not be integrated for at least 35 years. Um, she's hoping, of course, that the scientists will make a great leap in understanding, uh, studying human nature. Uh, our stories do keep changing, and I'm amazed at the number of, what would you call it, uh, I guess feminist interpretations are finding their way into our old narratives, the old master narratives, little rewrites everywhere. Uh, now, story, story is our fundamental, what do you call that, uh, raison d'etre. If we can make up a story, then everything is okay. Uh, education uh, has changed. It's now... We have these nonverbal humanities we need to study. I asked a friend the other day how she could become literate in images. She had said she couldn't just listen to the radio, she said. She said, I can't hear it without the pictures. And I thought, yes, the pictures are part of the narrative now. There are these graphic novels I see everywhere. I guess we used to call them comic books. I'm of the old tribe that feels that the words stay warmer longer, you know, when you recite certain phrases. You get this, this chill. You need the language. You place the words upon your heart and then when it breaks, they fall in. Shakespeare's lines go right down my spine, uh, go with me to the grave or beyond. Emily Dickinson describes the feeling, she says, that the top of your head is coming off. She said, then you know that it's poetry, that it is uh, sacred, divine, whatever, uh, profound. I like incantation. It seems to me that is the the original song carries us up there to the divine realm. Uh, then we say that our emotions, you know, are beyond words. Saints trying to describe their visions. Uh, always the ecstasy of existence lifts us out of ourselves or maybe into ourselves. Anyway. 
it's impossible to describe our passions in words. Uh, <laughs> I liked Follow Your Bliss until it got to be a kind of joke, yes. Um, as my mother used to say, any more sweetness and light around here and I'll choke. Anyway, enlightenment is more than just an image. Uh, let me read you a goddess poem. Uh, it's, I guess, no, it's kind of a what I would call the death of the goddess. I used to have a whole folder called the death of the queen of heaven, but that got to be, be deja vu again. I took William Butler Yeats' poem, The Second Coming, and turned it into The Crone's Coming, because I felt that uh, the scholarship of people like Maria Gambutas reminds us that uh, the feminine principle is making a comeback. It's come back to smite us, actually. Uh, there is this general miasma or mother's curse that's hanging over us. It's punishment for our crimes against the planet, against Earth herself. As someone said, yes, watching the, the uh, strip mining, he said, look, they're peeling the skin off the mother, off Mother Earth. Uh, in the second coming, William Butler Yeats wrote uh, that darkness drops again and twenty centuries of stony sleep were vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle and what rough beast its hour come round at last slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. And yes, he goes on at great, great length about the second coming. So I see the second coming as a crone, the arrival of the old woman, what some call the death crone, uh, turning and turning in the cauldron's eye. The maiden cannot see the Mutzpelheim. Things fall apart, the center will not fold. Mere patriarchy is loosed upon the earth and the blood-cursed tides at flood. Everywhere the ritual of innocence is drowned. <sighs> the boys lack all conviction, while the men are full of passionate mediocrity. Surely some mutzpel is at hand. Surely the crone's coming is at hand. Crone, the crone's coming, hardly are those words out when a vile image out of mother's miasma taints my sight. Somewhere in the sands of his desert, a shape with a steel body, the head of a phallus, a gaze blank and pitiless as a gun, is aiming slow death, while all about it real shadows of the despairing desert birds and darkness drops again. I grow old, I grow old. Centuries of cold stone silence on the Galilean's cross. Till the white nightmare her hour come round at last. Flees toward Byblos to be mourned. Oh, that's awfully esoteric, Jennifer. Yes, it is. I get carried away sometimes. There's a place called the Mutzpelheim, I put it in that poem. The Mutzpelheim is hell. Uh, 
It's the Norse idea of a fate which will overtake the world of doomsday as a result of the goddess's disgust at the actions of men and gods. Crone Mother will lay her doom upon the world. Spirits from the hot southern lands, the lands of Mutspelheim, will begin to destroy the earth. This is a mythic reminder of Kali, the destroyer, in her original territory, that is, in hell. <laughs> Mutspel is literally a mother's curse. Miasma is the Greek spiritual pollution. It's a highly contagious evil fate that is brought on by crimes against the mother or against the mother goddess's traditional law. Maria Gambutas explains that uh, it is law. These things are law, mother's law. We refer in some of the old, uh, old rules to mother right. We know all about that. They're trying to destroy our mother right and take away our choice. And there's another word, biblos. Uh, we get the word Bible from Byblos. But the Byblos is the city of the Great Mother. It is the oldest continuously occupied temple in the world. It is the famous seat of the ancient Semitic Great Goddess, variously known as, and then there's a list of, oh, let's see, 19, 20, 35 names. Anyway, you know Isis, Hathor, Ishtar, uh, the earliest libraries were attached to the temple, yes, Biblos. Thus the word Biblos came to mean any holy book or Bible. Now this city, Biblos, in Mesopotamia, is the target of our current Christian crusade. <laughs> Nothing has changed, not a thing. Now let's see. No more time for any more poems. We need to figure out how it is that KPFA, what is it? We need to raise some money. We need to raise some money. And the whole notion that KPFA still has a feminist fist in the air, <laughs> I'm not sure. This morning I was trying to figure out, watching the films on the, uh, the uh, oil in the Gulf, I was trying to figure out how we could get down there and save the little mermaid i uh i used to go down to the uh, cove in southern california in la jolla it was my place of origin and now i have nightmares about my undersea world the seascape uh if anything is more destructive of the feminine i don't know what it would be uh Let's see, no more. I have here another pile of poems called Autumn Ladies about uh, what has happened to the world, imaging the world as an old woman. Now, Maria Gambutas is the, the, uh, the best thing for the um, scholarship folks. Uh, I'm not sure, I haven't been in the classroom now for such a long time, and I'm not sure that... Uh, Feminism is still, what do you call, fashionable. I think possibly you can make an argument that um, there's plenty of androgynous material. And uh, I remember Earth Day back in 1970. 
we didn't emphasize that there was anything particularly uh just we didn't we didn't deal with gender. I remember telling the students that at age thirty six as I was then, I had already had more than my share of the earth's goods, and therefore it was time for me to be recycled uh, let me give you one more one more phone number folks um where did I put that sucker? Get your money. 800-439-5732. Or five and dime area code 848-5732-5732. I've been listening, yes, 5732. I think we'll probably have to do these these movies next week at the same time, guys. Till then, go easy. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till next time, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Founded in 1982, the Berkeley Chess School brings the educational benefits of chess to more than 150 schools throughout the greater Bay Area. On Sunday, May 23rd, from 2 to 6 p.m. at Hillside School in Berkeley, the Berkeley Chess School will host a castle for Caissa, a benefit for the Berkeley Chess School. Join us for an afternoon of outdoor festivities with food, live bluegrass from the Mountain Boys, a silent auction, and of course plenty of chess, including a mini bug house tournament, all to raise funds for a permanent home. Tickets are $25 to $55. For more information or to purchase tickets, visit berkeleychessschool.org or call 510-843-0117. It's just about 3.30. You're tuned into KPFA and KPFB in Berkeley and KFCF in Fresno. It's time.